Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Performance Through Health podcast and um, a little bit of an update of where I'm at in life really i've got some real exciting news coming up and um probably gonna announce it in uh, maybe a month or two's time so not quite yet um i've been running around getting my business online as fast as possible because i've really honed in on a niche area in terms of my sleep and respiratory stuff and uh, I've been teaching breath control and different types of breath work to to help people manage stress better, reduce anxiety, improve their athletic performance. And it's going really well. I'm getting fantastic results, generally working with people from 8 to um, 14 weeks or 8 to 16 weeks, depending on whether they decide to go from foundation to advanced. And I'm going to be talking a bit more about that and the results I'm getting in some case studies next week. However... Today, I really wanted to just follow on as usual from the post I've been putting out for the people who don't like to read the long blogs to give a little bit of insight into obstructive sleep apnea. So this week on my Instagram performance through health, I have been um, talking more about sleep apnea and looking at signs and symptoms of sleep apnea. So that's what today's podcast is going to be on. And I'm just going to be doing a, I guess, audio uh, voiceover of this blog Anyway, so Joseph Cosman, entrepreneur and author, once said, the best bridge between despair and hope is a good night's sleep. And he's not wrong. Again, in a poor sleep, poor night's sleep, it often leaves us unable to focus. We underperform and generally find ourselves getting frustrated more easily. I mean, over the last six weeks, I've been sleeping poorly um, because someone had basically has been trying to get into the garden the other night at midnight. It's been scoping out the place, but I can only assume to burgle. So some nights I sleep okay, but when as soon as I hear a noise, it wakes me up. And there's been points where I've woke up in the middle of the night and I've looked to look out in the house and walk around. And, you know, I've actually seen people walk around the house. And it sounds crazy, but the mind plays games when you're expecting to break into someone into your home. Um, and just this week, they tried it again. But this time I was actually, uh, I was struggling to sleep and I was laying on the bed looking at the window as they popped their head over. Now I'm going to delve into what actually happened to those two guys later on. Um, but really, let's get back to the uh, the point I was trying to make. So last week there was a particularly bad night where I had a, a poor night's sleep, a terrible sleep. And the following day, just everything seemed to go wrong. You know, I had a meeting with my business coach, which led to criticism, which I didn't take very well. And I felt like it upset me more than usual. I got locked out of my house when I took the dog for a walk, uh, just completely forgetting that I'd put the wrong keys down. And I just felt like my day wasn't productive and I didn't get through my daily tasks as much as possible. And I could only see the negatives despite there being positives throughout the day. And this is what sleep does to you. So can you imagine what it feels like to be like that almost every day? Well, that's what life is like living with obstructive sleep apnea. Those who suffer with obstructive sleep apnea, or I'm going to call OSA for short, tend to wake up feeling unrefreshed, they lack motivation, and they have like poor sleeping habits due to hormonal and neurological changes in their body and their brain. 
As a result, further weight gain is inevitable. And unless action is taken, or the person has extreme willpower, which is often not the case, that usually lives, leads to um, further exacerbation of the sleep apnea. Not only this, but the condition leads to a negative mindset with functional MRI images suggesting heightened activity in the fear centers of the brain. Now, according to research, roughly one in four males over the age of 45 in the West now have obstructive sleep apnea with roughly 10% of females suffering with a similar age. However, it is a condition that's underdiagnosed because many people don't know about it and it's growing with our waistlines and the obesity epidemic that we have going on. Now, many people with obstructive sleep apnea don't know they have it because the snoring either leads them to having no bed partner and generally they're tired enough themselves to not have to worry about insomnia and not being able to fall asleep and therefore just pass out. And they rarely do remember waking up in the middle of the night from these apneic events because they're such short-lived moments and the brain doesn't come out of um, sleep state in, in long enough for them to become alert but it's like a micro arousal and it's poor sleep quality. So to, to help people recognize whether they have sleep apnea or maybe a member, a family member or a friend, I've compiled these five common signs and symptoms of sleep apnea. Um, now, if you want to read the shorter version of the blog, you can find it on my social media, um, Instagram performance health, like I said, going back to uh, sometime last week. And also, if you want to actually check out the blog itself and have a little read, you can go onto my website, performancewithhealth.com and go to the blog section under resources. Now, the first sign and the most common sign of sleep apnea is snoring. So obstructive sleep apnea is characterized by a reduction in airflow into the lungs, which is due to relaxing or closed airways. As the airways are relaxed, the airflow at the back of the throat becomes turbulent and that causes the airway to flutter. It's this vibration that creates a noise coming from our nose that we recognize as snoring. However, not everyone who has who snores has OSA and not everyone who has OSA snores. That said, it is the easiest and most common sign of someone who has a breathing issue during their sleep. In fact, we can actually use the sound from snoring to distinguish whether someone has OSA. I was actually involved in some clinical research at work where we were using learning technology built into the into an app and that listened to the sound of someone snoring and provided feedback of whether they're uh, whether they were at risk of, of OSA, not only that, but also the severity of which it is. Now, this app is called Sleep Check. I have no, um, uh, I guess, association to it other than doing the research for the company. I don't get any paid for this, but it is a very accurate app. And it's um, all it requires is a, sm a smartphone placed on the side of your bed, and that assesses a person's risk of obstructive sleep apnea. And I believe it's available in the UK, Australia, and maybe the States or definitely other parts of Europe. But in our research, we basically looked at 238 patients and we used the uh, algorithms to correctly identify sleep apnea in, in patients who had mild OSA with 85% accuracy, uh, moderate OSA with 83% accuracy and severe also 83% accuracy. And with specificities between 70 and 90%, meaning that we know that the outcome of the, the sound was obstructive sleep apnea more than 70% uh, when we compared it to an actual type 2 sleep study, which is a, a, a complex home-based sleep study that we, uh, we use um, in our clinics. 
So suppose you've got a family member or a friend who has um, uh, is a snorer, but also suffers from one of the following sign or symptoms. Then in that case, it might be worth actually downloading this app, which I think is five, $7, which is like five pounds, if you're listening in the UK, um, which is both available on Apple and Android. And you can give, a, a, you know, it's going to give you an indication of whether you need to reach out for further help. But if you do, then just drop me a message or book in a consult with me. My first and the consults are always for free, 20 minute discovery call. And you can get to me by Martin PTH dot you can book me dot you can book dot me that's martin pth you can book dot me the next most common sign really is um, daytime sleepiness now sometimes people with sleep apnea they wake up feeling unrefreshed they have tiredness during the day and they really end up relying on caffeine to keep them awake it's not uncommon and this is down to the poor sleep quality but i said sometimes because i've also had many clients with sleep apnea who deny feel tired that said, once treated, they usually reflect back and realize that life wasn't meant to be so demanding and challenging. And when you actually get a good night's sleep, you can still feel vitalized past the age of 45. Some personalities, however, they just do not notice any sleepiness, nor do they get any improvements with daytime fatigue once treated. And that's because they're the typical type A fast on the go individuals. They're always on the go. They have a, you know, a busy schedule and they just don't feel tired because they don't have time to feel anything at all. They're so motivated by external goals that they become out of tune with their bodies and they fail to realize that there's an issue. And these are often you know, executives, businessmen, extreme athletes who, due to the lack of attention to their body, they end up with things like sleep apnea, burnout, or worse, they have a, an unexpected heart attack. Generally with clients, what we do is we can measure daytime sleepiness and we can uh, use what's called the Epworth sleepiness scale, which is... Questions about the chance of dozing off or falling asleep during typical daytime activities, such as sitting and reading, uh, sat in a meeting, lay down in the afternoon, if you were sat on a bus for an hour, um, and if you were, um, um, yeah, to take a lay down in the afternoon. There's, there's seven, I think there's seven or, yeah, seven questions. And when you score eight or above on the, on the Apple sleep, sleepiness score, it suggests that you may have daytime sleepiness. And it's a good indicator of whether your energy levels are inadequate despite your age, gender, and fitness. So you, you can actually go onto the blog and you can find a link to that as well, or you can Google Epworth Sleepiness Score. Whilst awake, really, we have uh, no airflow through the nose and through the mouth into the lungs is limited. Uh, you know, there's limited resistance. So because the airway is open, it's really easy to breathe. However, when someone falls asleep and the airway relaxes, um, those with OSA, actually, it, it's, it narrows to an extent where it's, it's significant enough to affect the airflow to the lungs. So as a consequence, oxygen levels begin to fall. Now, the nervous system has a role in detecting these oxygen level changes, and it causes a stress response. So adrenaline is essentially pumped through the body. And because of this, it's like our innate suffocation alarm is activated. The person then wakes up gasping for air with a racing heart and often a feeling of panic. How low someone's oxygen levels drop actually depends on how responsive the nervous system is, which comes down to overall health and how stressful a, life, a person's life is. Generally, more aged individuals have a less sensitive nervous system. Therefore, now we might see oxygen levels drop to 60% when they should be 92 to 96%, which is considered healthy for sleep. Now, on the other hand, you might have someone who's fit and healthy 
and they might be really reactive to a small drop of only 3% in oxygen, and that causes the stress response to kick in. But as a rule, the, the lower the oxygen level drops, the more severe the consequences of sleep apnea. The, the gasping and choking, which is the third uh, sign or symptom, it might not be present in a way of such of like just heavy breathing. So therefore, what I suggest is that consider any significant random movement in bed, such as jumping, leg movement, noises, um, all as signs of obstructive sleep apnea, especially if they're brief moments of silence before and snoring in between. Now, in my 10 years of diagnosing and treating people with sleep apnea, I've had a, a variety of patients ranging from young girls with epilepsy who have gone on to treatment and it's stopped all seizures to the most common is the overweight, overweight uh, truck driver who has diabetes and heart issues under the age of 50. Now, people with severe obstructive sleep apnea often have disturbances more than 30 times per hour during sleep. And the worst case I've actually seen is someone who has breathing-related disturbances 155 times an hour. Now, this sort of person, they're just the individuals who are struggling to stay awake in the consult whilst I'm even explaining the test results to them. It's, um, it's really due to this poor sleep quality that people have moderate of severe sleep apnea often have trouble with concentrating, memory problems, and poor decision skills. And it can be a bit of an issue when these sleep problems become um, during a young age or someone has poor sleep during a young age in a teenage years, it's actually misdiagnosed as things like ADD and ADHD because it really does cause uh, memory issues and poor decision-making skills or the ability to concentrate. So there is a link between sleep and poor sleep and Alzheimer's and issues in later in life. And generally throughout the day, what happens is our brain accumulates toxins from the breakdown of energy, uh, from, from the breakdown and, and use of energy. But during stage three deep sleep, uh, these toxins are generally cleaned out. However, when someone has sleep apnea, the amount of deep sleep that they get is actually significantly reduced. So that means over time, these toxins build, the connections in the brains don't work as well, leading to a decline in cognitive performance. Um, so we have people on one end who can have real bad sleep apnea, and then on the other end, they might have poor behaviors. And children with, you know, might get diagnosed with ADHD, and they end up on medications with many side effects, which it could be avoided by changing sleep behaviors. On the other end of the spectrum, I guess, with poor concentration, we've got a lack of blood flow to the prefrontal cortex is also reduced. Now, this part of our brain is what's required for executive functioning, uh, such as critical thinking, memory call, recall, problem solving. So essentially, chronic poor sleep from conditions such as OSA leads to a greater use of our monkey brain, meaning that a person finds it hard not to act out of instinct rather than rationality. Which brings me to the fifth and final sign that I'm presenting today uh, to watch out for, and that's emotional turbulence. And why is this important? Well, from a performance through health perspective, we know that performance for me anyway, this is a, a I guess a definition, is, is ability to choose the responses that you want to do on a regular basis with a healthy body and healthy mind that's moving you towards your goal. So in life, we either create space to choose our responses or we react out of emotionality. 
Now, it's the awareness of these emotions that's key to operating the manager that gets you what you truly want. That's my idea of performance. No one really wants to be the person who gets pissed off and says things and does things that they later regret, but it all comes down to the heat of moment. And it's about conscious control of the feelings that arise. Now, the amygdala is that primitive part of our brain, which is the fear center. Now, humans have developed the cortex to manage the amygdala, which has allowed us to become more social and look at the world in a manner of resourcefulness rather than through the lens of innate necessity. Poor sleep quality resulting from obstructive sleep apnea leads to a severing of the link between the cortex and the amygdala. So top-down control of stress is more challenging. So this is why people tend to be more grumpy and they seek out pleasure and they make poor decisions after a bad night's sleep. We all know that. We eat bad. We you know we're more likely to take risks in terms of gambling and you're more likely to get in an argument with your partner if you're hungover. Not just because of the alcohol, but if you have a bad night's sleep. I didn't even you meant to say hungover then. On the other hand, you know, the far other side of, um, I guess, the the spectrum, you've got emotionality in terms of being irrational, which could also be as a result of, uh, of anxiety. But then we've also got depression. Now, depression also shares symptoms of, similar symptoms of OSA, and that includes restless sleep, fatigue, difficulty with focus, persistence feelings of frustration, helplessness, anxiety, weight gain. And there's a strong link between poor sleep and mental health issues, whether it's due to the chemical imbalance or a poor performance and your self-criticism due to that, or because there's a lack of social life just because you're feeling tired all the time. All of those are mentioned are essential for health and well-being. So not just the sleep itself, but the sleep that the the poor sleep, the behaviors that the poor sleep creates can lead to things like depression. So this this poses a challenges for GPs who they might rule out OSA in people who are not a typical fit. They don't fit the perceived criteria of someone who's overweight and they have no large necks. However, I've mentioned in a previous blog that OSA in non-obese individuals is a stereotype that actually needs to be dismissed. It's it's these characterizations that lead to a wrong diagnosis and the incorrect treatment pathways. Anyway, talking of emotions, back to the story from earlier on. So it's hard, It's really hard to override a stress response when someone's trying to break into your house. Trust me, it happened. So a few nights ago, um, they tried it again. I was laying in bed, uh, struggling to sleep, I had to, uh, my friend's, my housemate's dog next to me and I was just staring out the window and all of a sudden I saw a head pop over and I'm like, what the hell's going on? And instantly I thought, here we go again. Six weeks ago, they tried to do it. My housemate jumped out, warned me, said, go and get the police. We're being burgled. We couldn't find them. And we thought, okay, they've gone away. Six weeks I've been battling with sleep, nightmares, thinking someone's going to rob the house. And there I am watching people climb the fence again. So... I immediately jumped out of bed. I went into my housemate's room and I grabbed a heavy-duty fold-out baton. Now, picture this. You got a 102-kilo, bald-headed guy who's just finished power training for a powerlifting competition coming running around the house screaming, Get here now. So I stood at the side of the alleyway with this baton extended out smashing it against a tree, shouting at the press, these, these people who I thought were, were robbing my house, 
saying, come here now. And I was ordering them to come and stand in front of me. Little did I know, two young boys come out. Tears down their eyes saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was relieved that it was two young boys. And I could see they're upset and they're up to no good. But when I asked them what they're doing, they said they were just going for a walk. I was like, what do you mean you're going for a walk? And I thought they were lying. So then I raised the baton to one of the boys' jaws and I said, the last six weeks, or six weeks ago, were you down here? Have you been down here before? And they said, yes. And I said, do I look like the person that you want to be given sleep disturbances and the sort of person that you want to be given nightmares to? As I put the jaw, the the uh, baton on his jaw, right on his on his tooth, his mate was there, tears down his eyes, and all of a sudden, confu- completely confused, crying their eyes out. The neighbours heard the commotion; they come running out, and they look at me and go, "What's going on?" And as soon as they turn around and look at the boys, they realise that it was their son and his friend who had been trying to sneak out the house in the middle of the night at the weekend to go and be two young teenagers and run amok. Now, we'd been round the house to ask whether they had noticed anyone trying to get down down that way maybe six weeks ago. So they were also aware, and they'd put lights out the back to make sure that their house didn't get rubbed too. But they weren't aware that their sons were trying, well, their son and his son's friend were trying to escape the house in the middle of the night to go out. So obviously that quickly calmed me but it escalated the uh, anger in the parents. But I was grateful to, to just realize that someone wasn't trying to steal my my valuables and it was two young boys just being rats and running amok. But it didn't go down with his dad. I heard him screaming for hours. Uh, anyway, there's positives that come through. The following morning, I knocked on my door to apologize and they asked if there's anything I could do uh, to make up for it after giving them a little bit of a lecture about you know what what they could, could do to people's psychology by doing that sort of thing, um, I didn't really have anything I thought to do. Then I realized, actually, no, I'm moving out in a couple of weeks. I'm moving house. So fortunately for, for me, uh, they will be cleaning the floors, scrubbing, scrubbing the walls, and helping me lift all the boxes out whilst I make the move. And um, I'll probably sit back and have a tea, maybe a couple of beers, and just give out orders and just make sure they're, they're, they're working their way back to good, good faith, really. So... Um, but it was this poor night's sleep that made me realize how crucial sleep is when I got locked out, had that bad day, and how much it can do to our, our mindset that thought I'd write this post about um, signs and symptoms of sleep apnea, and I thought I'd share the, 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 uh, the story. Anyway, what can you do if you do have sleep apnea? Say so you download the app and you do you, you realize that you have that, or you've got two or more of these signs and symptoms. Um, not everyone is going to have them all because everyone reacts differently. Their bodies react differently. There's factors in their lives that are different. There's different personalities. There's varying levels of awareness. But if you do show two or more signs of these symptoms, it probably is going to be worth getting a sleep study to check. Um, and because the, the long-term implications of sleep apnea, especially severe sleep apnea are a large health, health concern. There's cardiovascular risks, there's Alzheimer's risks, there's testosterone drop risks. There's many issues that you don't want to have in sleep apnea. You do have to, to meet a specific criteria to be eligible for a direct sleep study to get it rebated on Medicare. 
So reach out to me, um, book a book in a book in a consult with me, and I, we can we can get that sorted for you. I can get a study sorted for you, um, and yeah, I can advise you the best way for your for the treatment of your sleep apnea. Anyway, thanks for taking time listening to this podcast. I hope anyone who's listening to these podcasts and listen to the shorter versions is enjoying just a, the short clips rather than me the long form chats. I know this one's now been going on for nearly twenty five minutes, which is a little bit of a longer one, but it was a longer blog. Please comment rate um ask questions follow me on social media you know any queries you have i'm more than happy to answer these and i want you guys to get involved and and give me some feedback so i appreciate you listening and i hope you have a fantastic week thank you